0: Hello then, and welcome back to the Classic Rock Podcast. Now, it's great to have your company wherever you're listening to the program. And coming up in today's show, uh, we'll run up all the news of the last uh, three weeks or so. We'll have the album of the month. We'll have the Classic Rock interview, which comes from Stephen Tyler this month, who celebrated last week his 70th birthday. Uh, we'll jump back in time, 16 years, and we'll look at all the news and features from Classic Rock of that particular month. And we got a new feature this month, the greatest live track from the greatest live album ever. And this is where you can get involved, because I want to know what your choice would be So get in touch. Let us know what you believe is the best live track from the best live album ever. Uh, This month, after thinking long and hard about what to choose, and I changed my mind, I don't know how many times I did settle on a track from Live and Dangerous by Thin Lizzy. To get the show on the road this month, we're going to have a piece of music uh, from an album called The Switzerland Manifesto, which was released by Joe Perry at the back end of January. It includes collaborations with uh, Robin Zander of Cheap Trick, Terry Reid. Joe Perry sings as well. It's an album that didn't get released to a hail of publicity everywhere, but on listening to it, and I only came across it uh, a couple of weeks ago looking back through um, old editions of classic rock magazine. It really is a very, very good album indeed. I picked a track called Sick and Tired, which has got Terry Reid on vocals. Here it is. See what you think. piece of music there from Joe Perry's album, Switzerland Manifesto. Ten tracks on the album, produced, executive produced, by the way, by Hollywood Vampires bandmate uh, Johnny Depp. And as we said, it includes uh, Robin Zander of Cheap Trick, New York Dolls, David Johansson and Terry Reid. Zach Stark is also involved as well, and Perry's sons Tony and Roman on synth and drums as well. There's only one song on the album which isn't uh, written by a collaboration or involving J- Joe Perry, uh, and that is "Eve of Destruction," which features him. It's a cover of uh, P.F. Sloan's song, uh, which has Perry on vocals himself as well. Where Johnny Depp is actually playing drums on that track. Let's have a look down and once been making a bit of news over the last two or three weeks and it seems that the older some get the belligerence that sets in and it simply isn't going to budge and to those ends the revolving tour Fleetwood Mac is in full swing again as they announced I think it was yesterday or the day before that they fired Lindsay Buckingham after a dispute about the upcoming tour well the upcoming tour of next year ex Tom Petty lead guitarist uh, Mike Campbell and crowded houses Neil Finn have been drafted in the world tour isn't going to. begin until June of 2019. So, that leaves us almost a year for Lindsay Buckingham and co. to kiss and make up, and then to find out that, well, Neil Finn and Tom Petty's lead guitar man, Mike Campbell, really didn't quite fit. Uh, News from Lake Tahoe, and it is good news as well. The new album, Flesh and Blood, by Whitesnake, is finished, it is ready, and there is a new single that is going to be imminently released. It is called... Get this, shut up and kiss me. All sounds a bit like something that came out of the 1970s. Remember some of the other great tracks from Whitesnake? Remember Lie Down, a modern love song? Uh, But it does have a nod and a wink to classic Whitesnake, so we're led to believe, which is a good thing, so we can't wait to hear it. It should be out in the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, ahead of the 2018 Hall of Fame inductions, Richie Sambora has been talking about a wonderful experience to reconnect for the first time on stage since he left in 2013 with his own bandmates at Bon Jovi. Uh, it feels great, he said, to see everybody, but those hankering for a return to the classic era Bon Jovi going to be disappointed, I'm afraid. As he added, I don't miss being in the band at all. I actually saw him live last year with Orianti on stage. And um, what can I say? Uh, Good job he's made his millions in the years leading up to it. Wasn't for me, I've got to say. Now, there's a slew of rock-related documentaries coming out. Chrissy Hines got one coming out. We had last year the definitive Richie Blackmore story. On May the 18th of this year, we have Still on the Run. It's a documentary on Jeff Beck, which gets a release, and it looks really good as well, with the likes of Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, Rod Stewart, Ronnie Wood, Joe Perry, Slash, and Dave Gilmore, all interviewed and all involved in the making of this, and hopefully uh, it might find its way into Sky Arts channel as well soon. Uh, Jeff Beck himself is out on the summer tour circuit with Paul Rogers, And Anne Wilson, what a great night that'd be. Now, if you're a fan of the Beatles, and there's a few of those in there, it's going to be a good summer for you as well, because as part of the 50th anniversary of its initial release, the film Yellow Submarine is heading back into cinemas beginning on July the 8th. Now, the film itself has been remixed into a 5.1 surround sound, and it's also uh, been upgraded to 4K as well. So it should be something of an event there as well. Uh, just before we introduce our album of the month, here's an interesting concept from Michael Schenker. Now, the Michael Schenker Fest, which has been released over the last month, is now gathered into a band which will headline five shows across the UK this November before heading out to Europe and the USA. And he's got with him all of the vocalists that appears on the recently released album. So, Robin McCauley. Who certainly did have a hell of a voice when he was singing live. I saw him with MSG, which was then called the Macaulay Shanker Group back in December of 1987. It was New Year's Eve, it was Wembley Arena and it was Whitesnake with the 1987 album just released who were headlining Great, Great Night. Also with him then on this tour, Graham Bonnet, who sounds nothing like a 70-year-old vocalist on the album, and Doogie White, who I still think did a great job with that Stranger in Us All album with uh, Rainbow the last time they produced um, an album back in the what mid to late 1990s, 1996, I think it was. Uh, and it's funny, isn't it, because Rainbow could be one of those bands that Blackmore could gather together. Uh, Joe Lynn Turner, Doogie White, Graham Bonnet. What a great show that would be to wheel them out to do the songs of their specific era. But uh, sadly, I think perhaps not. It's time then for the album of the month. Last month, of course, it was Judas Priest and Firepower, which has gone on to do incredible things around the world in terms of sales and chart positions. The tour has been getting unbelievable reviews. They're touring, of course, with Saxon and Black Star writers. And there's a great piece on YouTube. If you go on there, you will see Priest arriving. I think it's either New York or Chicago turning up for a signing session uh, in a fire engine with queues going around the block of people with albums getting ready to uh, take in and get signed. Uh, looks as if they really are on the top of their game. But this month, our album of the month is... The Dead Daisies follow up to 2016's Make Some Noise called Burn It Down is a fourth album and it is the best they have produced so far. Here then is our track of the month it's called Rise Up. <laughs> is an album of the month which is burned Down by the Dead Daisies who are this time around uh, Dean Castronovo, known perhaps best for his time spent with Journey but a look at that CV, very impressive, played with everybody from uh, Bad English, Ozzy Osbourne, Paul Rogers just to name a few, John Karabi's there on vocals of course, his best performance got a in years Uh, Marco Mendoza who's got a decent solo album out at the moment, he's been on tour in the UK but again As someone who's never disappointed whenever he's been in the studio or live. And he's played bass with everybody from Whitesnake to Thin Lizzy. And of course, there is Doug Aldridge. Looking and sounding as fired up as he always does the XDO and Whitesnake lead. Always a man who chooses wisely, doesn't he? Where he lends his talents to. And dropping in here. Seems to be a good decision. And David Lowry, the man who put it all together as well. Good mix of songs here from what is what we would have called, perhaps in the 80s and 90s, a rock supergroup. Now, a supergroup of days gone by is Queen, and they became the first band in UK music history to register sales of six million copies of one album. Queen's greatest hits registered the numbers in the last week. Now, this was an interesting story. Gene Simmons has been in the news. He recently teamed up again with Peter Criss at one of these vault events. First time they'd seen each other since the Hall of Fame. Uh, Then lo and behold, Ace Frehley announced that he'd be touring with Gene Simmons in Australia and also sharing the same stage with Vinnie Vincent in Nashville as well. It just leaves you wondering, doesn't it, at the moment with all this hatchet burying, is it leading us to a last hurrah for Kiss, a tour with all the ex-members coming along? Well, nothing like going out on a high. However, talking about retirement tours, Rod Stewart spoke out mocking Elton John's retirement tour. I did email her, he said, and I said, what, again? He didn't hear anything back from her, unsurprisingly. This came as well, remember, after Elton John had poked fun at Rod Stewart last year. He was talking about his own record company. He said, uh, it's a good record company, but they want me to make these Christmas albums and covered albums and Motown. It's so silly, he said. I'll leave all that to Rod Stewart. Now, a great bit of news for Ronnie Wood in the last couple of weeks. He's been battling, remember, with lung cancer back in 2017. And it's now reported he is cancer-free. The cancer, he said, was contained just one lung. And he was lucky enough that he didn't need any chemotherapy. He's said to be raring to go on May 22nd when the Rolling Stones head out on the road. Now, time for the Classic Rock interview of the month. And time to celebrate a landmark birthday. Stephen Tyler was born on March 26th of 1948 in Manhattan. Spent his early years living in the Bronx before the family moved off to Yonkers. Now, moving swiftly on and after being expelled from school due to drug abuse, he was out at a rock and roll show in Sunapee in New Hampshire, which is where it all began. Take it away, Stephen.
1: I'd been with a bunch of bands from 65 to, to 70 uh, and then we got Aerosmith, I was a drummer for about two weeks, rehearsal, and, uh, and I, I, Joey Kramer came in one day, Ray Tabano, who used to be in the band, brought him mm-hmm. in, and it, just the magic. I stood up, we started singing, we did Route 66, uh, but you can hear, you can tell some kind of magic happened. I remember looking at the Kinks, Ray Davies and Dave Davies, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger. I never had a brother. I needed a brother so bad, someone to not only bounce off of and look at and think, you're so fucking cool, I'm going to out-cool you tonight. Along with the bands that we opened up with. They're so fucking cool, but we're going to out-cool you tonight. We're going to out-rock your ass. We're going to make the place, uh, you know, go crazy with our music. Those are the kind of early thoughts you had. But mostly it was to have a brother. You know, to be in a band. And, and I thought, I mean, we all looked at, we never once thought we couldn't do it. You know, we wrote a couple songs and getting them across. I remember coming to England the first time in, like, a bus tour, and we looking for blow. We couldn't find blow. We had to find some weed, and where's the Jack Daniels? And But it was more about raping and pillaging. We knew our music. We knew our style. We knew what we had, and we wanted to lay it all over you. Joe and I bouncing off each other. It was, uh, um, you know, wanting to win the audience, you know. Always wanted to try and blow the band in front of us off, no matter who it was. That was our mentality, when I think about that today, it's pretty crazy thought. Fuck them, we'll show them. We gotta beat, beat them at their own damn game, you know. We just went out and played it and rocked it and did what we did and hoped we wreaked havoc and damage. Damage report, you know, how'd you do? And I mean, we always did the right thing. We invited the, ra- the radio stations to the show. We played wherever we could, opening up for the kinks. Regardless of how much room we had, the fucks gave us five feet. Every little bit made us stronger. Playing back then, I think we were we were ripping it at 120 from the get. You know, there was no there was no MTV. It was it was just play as much as you can is the only way you're going to make it. How other way is there? Can't go on YouTube. Can we play the club before the show? And then you know you find out all the uh, the legalities, the dogma. You can't do that radio station without doing that radio station. You can't play there for free without, you know, it's like, we didn't care. We just pl- wanted to play. We were the same band when we did Cal Jam. And I see pictures of us as we were five months before that in clubs in Boston. It's the same band. We were able to jump around more, bigger stage, bigger audience. I mean, it always amazes me. I look, I think it's the same band. So whatever magic we had in that room, like you say, uh, it just transcended you know it transcended they heard us on the radio they liked it there's nothing stronger than music there's no drug stronger than music there's no feeling stronger than getting laid to the first time to you know uh, communication breakdown or whatever song it was dream on and you think back to the song and you hear it again now and it still gives you a boner you still you still get it is it still evokes the same feelings whether you saw your babies born to it or but that's the good thing about music, you know. So whatever drugs we took or how much we drank, it was all. I mean, what are you going to do after you get off stage at Madison Square Garden? and Play ping pong. You're going to go back and snort a line. I mean, that's what we did. And, you know, we didn't know any better. We thought that's what uh, uh, that's what you did, you know. Just, you know, Keith did it. The, you know, I always thought the mothers of invention. And to a certain extent, you know, those excesses, whether Jack Daniels or whatever, kind of got us through... Playing six clubs in a row, it also takes you down in the end. But enough about that. The first part of the year, I was so pissed off. I said, "What the fuck are you leaving for? You know, why would you leave?" That's because I wasn't writing lyrics and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't finishing what we we would get together in a room and write the songs. And then I went out and took them and wrote the melody and the the lyrics and all that. And I was, uh, I was too busy getting high and they got pissed off at me for it. I thought, "Well, what did you do last night?" You know. Um, But, uh, you know, you don't miss your water till the well runs dry, right? So when they were gone, you know, and Aerosmith was broke up, it was like, I I don't have a horse. Where's my horse? Uh, Where's the magic in my life that I had before? So you come to. You come to your senses after a while. It it seemed like forever. It was only three or four months, five months. But I heard that he was playing with Alice Cooper, and I got got incensed. Give me his fucking phone number. Uh, Where is Joe. I got on the phone and I said, you're playing with Alice fucking Cooper? I said, get back here. We need you in Aerosmith. And that was the call. That was it. It was, you know, sometimes, you know, when, when, when you're pushed, I mean, we'd only played every town in America seven times by the time nine, uh, 70, between 72 and 78, we played every city in America, every state, except Alaska and Hawaii, eight times. So we've been to the wall and back. So, again, I don't know why he left. Uh, I don't know what he was going through. But I called him up and I said, you know, let's get back together. Enough of this shit. So um, I don't think we all sat in a room and went, well, golly, what was wrong with us? That did not happen. I think We got in the room and we started playing and it was like, I think we all wanted to say to each other, you see... You see what we got here? The energy those guys give me, I could never have had on my own. And I've never gone where we went. We have boldly gone where no band has gone before. We want to be the last band standing. I just fucking love being on stage next to Joe Perry. It's that simple. I, I like to look at a couple of tits in the audience. I love that heads of state have said, I made love to your songs. Or, or, or you know, 14-year-old girls say, I love Don't Want to Miss a Thing. I love being that troubadour that's... That's written songs that's gotten inside people, whether they're popes or the poorest, and said it's changed everything in me. I can't believe I've been given a chance, and and I also can't believe that I wrote those songs. I can't. I know it came from Divine Intervention and the band, but I still can't believe I'm a part of that. Because when I listen to, ooh, the storm is raging, Mick and Company and doing Gimme Shelter, it's like, what? That song... Changes my whole attitude that day, mm. and that we wrote "Sweet Emotion" and "Dream On" and "Don't Make Me Cry." Well, that's what happened—the biggest in history. But you don't think of it at the time it's going down. Well, you're in the bubble. Or you walk in, and uh, you know Rick Rubin has gotten these guys together, and you, you do the song with Joe, and then, then the next month there's a video, but you don't. And there's a guy named John Small running around, the producer that builds a wall and says. Um, we're going to build a wall between your band and their band, but then after it's shown you find out it's like a wall between black and white? Could this be? How magical is that? Yeah. So then you sit back and you find out that's what happened? That's actually a scab that happened? We just came to work. We just were doing a song that Rick Rubin liked the... And rightly so, but you never know. You never know. And then it was their idea to do it. They invited us and the rest is history. It's one of the biggest songs of all time. Again, thank you, Allah. No, we didn't think, we, again, we didn't look at it like, it was just, let's go. The 90s was the time of videos, right? I am crazy. And I wake up in the morning, I watch myself on TV and go, Joe, I think we got something here. It was an incredible era. Mm. Those videos were, whew, what a not only was a song on the radio but now you get a visual and we could be all that there too dude looks like a lady in a in a in a wedding dress with a mustache i know there's a lot of people say i like the old aaron smith that, i don't like pink and don't want to miss a thing and dude looks like a lady and well music is music man you know what if you listen to some of those albums there's some crazy shit in those those albums. Yeah. Only another nine albums. Six albums. Th- it's it's again after the first six. Not another six. What band does that? You know, we sat in a room with some people, and it sucked. It sucked. I said, I, I don't want to write with you. This isn't good. I don't like what you're writing. It's not cool. Then you sit with a guy named Taylor Rose, and, you know, it was a... There was a time when I was so brokenhearted. You know, it was a country song. The, and, and how about... There goes my old girlfriend. There's another diamond ring. What the fuck's wrong with that? When you hit a... If you write a song, tell me about it. Hey, it's not easy to write songs. Pull shit out of the middle of... You know, it's like... It's like not the words. It's what's, what's in between the words. It's not the notes. It's what's in between the notes. What lives there? What are you hearing in psychoacoustics? And what is in that Joe Perry guitar riff? And what makes you want to sing? Sweet emotion what is that? It's magic. It's magic. You go to bed at night going, oh my God, where did that come from? That's the magic. So, you know, the two eras, it was just, uh, you know, looking back now, I, you know, I think, uh, just a miracle. It's a miracle that, uh, that the band actually pulled together in, you know,
0: one of the greatest front men of all time from one of the greatest bands of all time Stephen Tyler and Aerosmith and I've seen them many many times down the years we never really got to see uh, an awful lot of Aerosmith on the shores of the UK and indeed around Europe but after the success of Permanent Vacation and the release of Pump it had them headlining arenas over here in the mid-80s and uh, who will ever forget the video for this true, right. from Aerosmith and Stephen Tyler a little bit later on. Now, let's have a look what is in the music press this month. Classic rock has got a Def Leppard front cover, untold stories, unseen photographs, unsung heroes, and 40 years of rock music's greatest underdogs. Not sure where underdogs comes from, actually. I mean, selling over 100 million records, hardly... uh, entitles you to be labeled as an underdog Uh, inside they got an interview with adrian vandenberg formerly of course of white snake vandenberg and the moon kings who speaks with david coverdale he said a few times every month it would be logical he said uh, for david and i to record again exciting news as well maybe the 1987 touring unit uh, could regroup vivian campbell rudy Sazo, tommy aldridge imagine the egos on display there wow Latest incarnation of the Stone Temple Pilots. They're also interviewed, as is Rob Halford of Judas Priest, who's talking about the success of Firepower Reviews. Will BlackBerry Smoke Find a Light like, gets a seven out of ten, as does Rick Parfitt's posthumous solo album. Over and out, which really is worth a listen. Some really great songs on there. Joe Perry also gets us at seven with the uh, Sweetland Manifesto, which has, as we said, amongst others, Robin Zander of Cheap Trick on lead vocals. There, top score, eight out of ten in the magazine this month was for Led Zeppelin's How The West was one the reissue, uh, getting the rave review treatment on the live show circuit. Saxon with Rock Goddess and diamond head an evening full of mesmerizing quality from goddess to gods that is how the night was described it's a good edition all told of classic rock as they have a tendency to be really don't they Uh, leopard were recounting the early days when they were on 30 pounds a week um, and got trashed by the UK media, they say, for selling out to the USA after releasing that On Through the Night album, which had the track Hello America. They go on to go through the story of the making of Hysteria, the loss of Steve Clark. the highs were as epic as the low moments as well, but Overcome It, they certainly did, and have continued to thrive, not only as a great live act, but also in the studio as well, the last album certainly being the best they've done since the very underrated slang what about Rob Halford well he's inside as we said and clearly reveling in the spotlight again with Judas Priest after these rave reviews they're getting not only of firepower but for their performances in the live shows as well over in the United States of America and again if you've not had a listen to firepower do yourself a favor And go and do it. Classic Rock also have a special edition out at the moment. It's called the 100 Greatest Rock Albums of All Time. Now, there's a new edition of Prog Rock Magazine also out last month. They were celebrating 50 years of Jethro Tull. This month, it's 50 years of Yes, with members various, including Anderson Howe, Waitman, White Robin, Horn, all talking epic tales of excesses from the past and front cover is Chris Squire with a main feature on his classic 70s solo album. Inside you can also catch up with the life and times of Rick Wakeman which includes uh, this month his reaction to being stopped at a train station on a platform and told how fat he looked. Uh, John Payne, former frontman with Asia as well, journeys through his life in music, which involves why he created a musical which features an English pub on stage. All in all then, good edition, worth the money, certainly for the Yes feature. And after reading through such musings, it led me to go back to the 1980s and uh, dig out 90125 again. It's time now to jump back in time and leading us there, classic Aerosmith. Um, We have arrived back in time to November 2002. Stephen Tyler was front cover of Classic Rot. The main feature, Tyler and Perry, 30 years of winging it, so they say. Quotes on the front cover were, I snorted my plane, my Porsche, and my home. All the more remarkable, really, isn't it, when you see just how damn healthy the pair of them, that's he and the other toxic twin, Joe Perry, actually look today. Uh, inside what was the news of the time well it was reported that motley crew and poison were planning farewell tours crew of course we know labored on for another 14 years also vince neal he was subject of an arrest warrant for a car park fight and a one million pound lawsuit from a club owner who'd hired him and he promptly left the stage after 10 minutes annoyed that the fans didn't know the lyrics to his solo work Uh, On a somber note, there was an obituary for the Samson guitarist, Paul Samson, who passed away aged just 49 after a long battle with cancer. Among those offering condolence, Bruce Dickinson or Bruce Bruce, as he was known back in the Samson days. Dickinson, who went on to become, of course, the Iron Maiden lead vocalist. And it was also noted that the mourners left the church. And as they did so, uh, Paul had asked for the Laughing Policeman to be played over the PA. Remember, actually, when uh, back in the early days, in the puppies to frequent as a teenager, vice versa, being played very frequently on what was called uh, back in the days a jukebox. It was something that you put uh, a coin in uh, to inflict your musical taste on the entire bar. Uh, John Lord had left Deep Purple, but he was working on trying to get all former Purple members together for one last Purple super show. Mind you, he said, can you imagine the diplomacy involved? It would be staggering. Imagine Gillen, Blackmore, Coverdale and Hughes all in a room together. Sadly, it never happened. Uh, Phil Collin was subject of a week in the life of... What did we learn? Well, he'd quit drink 15 years previous. He said, I was doing stupid things at the time, uh, like driving Joe Elliott's car and leaving it with the doors open and the radios on. Uh, So what else? Well, he's a health fanatic, as of course we know, and he likes partaking in uh, in a bit of Muay Thai kickboxing. I'm a bit obsessed, he said. His ideal day, well, that would be a workout, playing a gig being outdoors with good weather and finishing it all off with a good old ruby. Now, Guns N' Roses made what was said at the time to be a triumphant return to the UK after a 10-year absence. Was it worth the wait was the question they were asking. Uh, One of the lines taken from the feature was, Tonight, Guns N' Roses are, without doubt, the finest Guns N' Roses tribute band in the whole world. We were reminded, so they said at this particular show, that they'd arrived an hour late on stage uh, and they'd gone past the curfew of midnight. Now, he was told of this, but Axel Rose's reply on stage, I didn't come all the way to Leeds to be told to go effing home. And so on they went. His mood on the night was described as venomous. When he heard somebody shout, where's slash? His reply was... He's up my ass. That's where Slash is. Now go home. Uh, The final view, Axel answered his critics, they say, in the only way he knows, by kicking a serious quantity of ass. Now, the man, widely regarded as the greatest voice in heavy metal history, Ronnie James Dio, was in deep conversation. Uh, He always wanted to be a baseball player, they said. It was his father that got him into music. Now, where did those devil horn signs come from that he was so widely known for? Well, he said, it was my grandmother. Uh, Quite a lengthy interview. He talked about how he really got uh, sick and tired, he said, of being called a fucking midget every time something was written about him, usually in the British press. They didn't do it, he said, to Paul Rogers or Mark Bowler. So why me was the question. And you think about it. In that time, over a period of just short of a decade, he did Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, Rising, Long Live Rock and Roll, Heaven and Hell, Mob Rules, Holy Diver, Last in Lion and Sacred Heart. What a catalogue of unbelievable music over a period of time and uh, quite rightly is regarded as the greatest voice in heavy metal history, bar none. I met him on one occasion at the Classic Rock Awards. It must be about 10 years ago now. And I just went up and started a conversation with him, talking about uh, heaven and hell and how amazing his voice still was. And he was absolutely charming. And the big feature, though, was Aerosmith. Now, we had the full-on tale of the drink, the drugs, the debauchery that followed those humble beginnings when the Columbia Records boss at the time signed them up for 125000 after seeing them at uh, the New York Max's Kansas City Club. Now, remember where that line came from? Max's Kansas City you will find in the song Draw the Line. Dream On, the first million seller, only made number 59 in the charts, they were saying, when it was first released in November 73. Three years later, it made number six in the charts. There was the story of how during the song's intro, uh, Joe Perry could be seen laughing on stage with his wife, which led Tyler uh, to abject apoplexy, it said at the time, and their excesses were perfectly summed up. We were, they said, drug addicts who were dabbling in music. Now, do you want to know what Steven Tyler bought with his very, very first big paycheck? Yes? Well, it was a big bag of something they call Zuloom Pistachios, a bottle of Boone's Farm, which these days is a sort of a cult drink, uh, an apple-flavoured wine type thing, a bit like an alco-pop, actually, uh, and uh, a bag of uh, blue crystal meth. Uh, that was it. That's what he bought with his first uh, paycheck. Uh, Big in the USA, nothing in the UK though. Their first album over in the UK sold 900 copies. The tour they said was a disaster. Uh, The review said Tyler handled the mic like a hoovering au pair girl. Uh, And then, of course, it led to the arrest in Germany. Tyler goes to the customs with, among other things, a hash coffin with a small bit of white powder in. Uh, And when he's stopped by the customs officer and asked what it is, uh, Tyler blew it in his face and promptly got arrested. Uh, What about the reviews? Well, Black Sabbath, Past Lives. It was a mini box set, was reviews. Chris Robinson with his first album called New World Mud, the former Black Crows man. I actually bought that. Uh, I think I've played it once. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, The Rising, was in there. That got a four out of five. And Ted Nugent, Crave Man, uh, also got a four-star review. Live reviews called the Foo Fighters, Microcosmic, and there was a vintage review of the Allman Brothers at Nebworth in 1974. They were supposed to be co-headlining with Led Zeppelin, but Peter Grant cancelled presumably, on hearing who they were sharing with on that day. It was the first trip to the UK, and they followed the Doobie Brothers' incendiary set, it said at the time. Reviews were outstanding for the three-hour show that it was, but it was the last time British fans would ever see them. And that, everybody, leads us to the last act of our show here today. What is the best ever live track ever recorded? Not album, just a track on a live album. Every publication over the last what half century has run a poll of the best ever live albums. But there's always a standout track, that one that you'll uh, flick to on your, your CD player in your car or whatever. And after looking through this CD collection of mine at the live albums that I've got and the ones that I actually still play on a reasonably regular basis, Thin Lizzy's Live and Dangerous is perhaps the most played live album I've got in the collection ahead just of uh, UFO Strangers in the Night, uh, Unleashed in the East, that was another one, and White Snake's Live in the Heart of the City. But it is from Live and Dangerous. I picked this track. Tell me. Don't believe a word then by Thin Lizzy from Live and Dangerous. Well, that is it for the show this month. We'll be back with more in about three weeks' time, possibly even before that. But uh, in the meantime, if you've uh, got anything to say, you want to get in touch, you can do it on Facebook at Tim Capel, or indeed on Twitter at Tim Capel as well. And don't forget, let us know what uh, your favourite live album track is and I'll pick the best one or the most obscure one and uh, play it next month. Hope you've enjoyed the show then. Bye-bye for now.